Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Don't elbow anybody next to you, especially if they're your family. But if the following statement has been true of you, or is true of you, just kind of give me a, mm-hmm. And, and uh, here's the statement. Isn't it true that those we love the most often what? Bring out the worst in us. Don't elbow anybody. But isn't it true that those we love the most, right? Who is it that we love the most? Our spouse, our kids, our parents, our siblings. I was tempted to say our mother-in-law, but I hope that's true. But, but the people we love the most, right? The people we love the most often bring out the worst in us. I used to not be like this, but then I had kids and, oh, I lost my mind. You know, when I was single, I was not naggy. You know, before I got married, I didn't snore. You're killing me, woman. The people we love the most often bring out the worst in us. Reminds me of a joke. He says that a wife one morning woke up to do breakfast for her and her family when suddenly her husband burst into the kitchen and he begins to scream at the top of his voice, careful, careful, put some more butter. Oh my gosh, you're cooking too many eggs at once. Too many. Turn them, turn them now. We need more butter. Get more butter. Oh my gosh, where are you going? You need to be more careful. Put more butter. You never listen to me. You're cooking and you never listen to me. Add more salt, add more salt. To which the woman turns around and he says, what's your problem? And he says, I just wanted to know what it feels like when I'm driving. And see, sometimes, oftentimes, more times than should, those we love, those we love tend to bring out the worst in us. Now, listen, there is no other group of people that has greater impact in your life than your family. There's no group of people. I know you think that your friends, your coach, um, your mentor, your discipler, no group of people has greater impact in your life like your family. The type of quality you have, the direction of your life, and even the experiences are shaped, impacted, influenced by your family. But the problem becomes if our family is who impacts us the most, who, who shapes us the most, then, then this must not be true. This can't and shouldn't be true, right? And, and, and it doesn't have to. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning and throughout this series. That this is not God's plan. That this is not God's design. In fact, this is God's desire for you and your family. Would you fill this out? His plan and desire is that those we love the most would bring out the best in us. That those we love the most would not bring out the worst, would bring out 
the best in us. So you're probably wondering, well, why is it that they seem to bring out the worst and not the best? Here's why. Here's one thing you need to know, okay? The best doesn't always come out because this is not automatic. It's possible, but it is not automatic, okay? And, and by the way, teenagers, young people, uh, uh, unmarried single people, I, I, I just, can we just recognize, can I just, can I just remind you that your parents are the individuals that are more interested in your well-being than anybody else? It's not your friends. I know you think it's your friends. And it's easy to think it's your friends because they tell you what you want to hear, Okay. But, but, but chances are that once they find a girl, they're, they're not going to be your best friend anymore. Chances are that when they get accepted into the school or into the college, they're not going to be as available anymore. And, and I think it's important in light of this that we recognize, especially uh, teenagers, uh, uh, single people, that, listen, nobody cares more about our well-being than our parents. And I can attest to that by experience and also because... Because I don't think anybody on earth loves my daughters more than me. I think the only person that loves them more than me is God. Okay? But now, this isn't automatic. This is God's plan, but it's not automatic. Okay? And, and you know, I just want to remind you, that relationships are like a garden. Relationships are like a garden. They need to be cultivated. They need to be cared for. To grow weeds in your yard, what do you need to do? Nothing. Well, almost nothing. Yeah, sprinkle a little bit of water and the weeds come out, right? And it seems like the bad is automatic. It's like, you know, I don't do anything to get all these nasty weeds um, and they just grow up. But if you wanted to have a beautiful garden with orchids and lilies and tulips and carnations and daffodils, what do you need to do? You need to cultivate it. You need to care. You need to invest in it. You need to add more than just water. And see, while this is God's plan, we cannot act like it's automatic. Because it's not automatic. You know this, but we often forget this when it comes to our family, that we get out what we put in. You are getting what you are putting in. And most of us don't have a beautiful garden or even a beautiful yard because we aren't putting any work in it. You know, in the house that we live, uh, uh, when we first moved from the apartments to the house, um, there was three things that I wanted. And I told the Lord, Lord, there's three things I want um, when I get a house. One, I want a grill. I want a nice grill. Second, I want a bulldog. And third, I want a nice lawn. I want a nice lawn with grass. I got my grill when we moved. I got my bulldog, which they later stole. And I tried working hard on the grass. But at best, all I got was a bunch of green weeds. You know why? Because I never invested in toiling the ground, getting the rocks out, adding manure, planting seed, doing things right. And I thought that if I watered it once in a while, I could have a nice green lawn, and I, and I don't. You know? And, and listen, Paul put it this way. Paul told the believers in Galatia when he wrote the letter to them, he said, a man reaps what he sows. 
in our families. We are getting out of them what we are putting in. And we haven't, if we haven't sowed any seeds, we can't expect a beautiful garden. Because if you don't cultivate, if you don't care, if you don't invest, at, at very best, you'll have weeds. And at worst, you'll have a dirt. So we want to be able to follow God's plan and say, okay, the people we love the most, the people that love us the most, should not bring out the worst in us, but should bring out the best in us. A survey revealed that 92% of vice presidents of large corporations grew up in families where both parents stayed together. 92%. In a study done by U.S. News and World Reports about millionaires in America, they found that most millionaires are individuals who work 8 to 10 hours a day for 30 years and remain married to the same spouse. And I tell you those statistics because the strength and the foundation of society continues to be the family. And it's important that, 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 we, that we have good family, that we bring out the best. Now, there are areas in the family that, that we need to improve, that we need to um, learn to bring out the best in each other so that each family member can, can have the best success. I want to ask you a question, and it's a rhetorical question because I know the answer. Would you like to pass on to your kids the negative, damaging, destructive traits of your family tree and relatives? Because that'll be automatic. It'll catch on. It'll catch on. They'll see it. They'll experience it. And they'll just catch on. And here's what I, what, what I believe I know about every parent. We don't want our kids to drag the baggage that we had to deal with. We don't want them to deal with poor money management or insecurity or infidelity or low self-esteem. And in order to, to break that, we need to bring out the best and not the worst in our family. And what I want to do is, over the next weeks, I'm going to give you a few things that we need to start highlighting, that we need to start bringing out, that we need to start being intentional. But before I give you the first one today, I want to tell you about the two roles that we need to learn to play as parents, spouses, grandparents, and siblings. Two things that as family members, regardless of your age, we need to do towards each other. Okay, these are not in your outlines. These are an extra treat just for being here. Let me tell you the two roles that we need to play to bring out the best in each other as a family. The first role is that of a mentor. We need to be mentors to one another, especially as parents, especially as a couple, especially as grandparents. We need to mentor. What does a mentor do? A mentor teaches. A mentor deposits, a mentor gives knowledge, gives experience, gives wisdom, gives truth, gives principle, gives resources. And as a parent, we need to teach our kids. It is not the church's responsibility to teach your kids. It is your privilege as a parent to teach your kids. Basically started kindergarten this year and she's starting to ask all kinds of questions. I'm not going to get in trouble here, but I'm just going to give you an example of where she's getting into. She told me this week, Daddy, when do we celebrate Halloween? 
that's not an opportunity for me to discipline, but to instruct. And to tell her what we as a family believe that God wants us to believe and do regarding certain holidays. So the first, the first role we need to play with each other is that of a mentor. And listen, if you're an older brother, you got a lot to teach your younger brothers. And if you have an attitude of learning, you can learn from anybody. It doesn't have to be older than you, better than you, or more educated than you. You can also learn what not to do. Right? Here's the second role that we need to play. The second role is that of a coach. Uh, a mentor teaches, but a coach asks questions. A coach pulls out. A coach helps discover what's already in them. A coach takes out what is hidden inside a person. And we need to be mentors, but we also need to be coaches with one another and say, you know, I, I, I think you can do it. And we're going to be talking more about that. But those are the two traits, uh, the two roles that we need to play in our family, especially as parents. Listen, especially as grandparents, okay? Grandparents, your job is not to spoil our kids. It is not, okay? You are supposed to be a support system to us, not a destructive system to our system, okay? Yes, give them candy. Yes, spoil them. But you are to help us encourage, instruct, correct, bring out the best in our kids. Amen, grandparents? Where's my parents? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I didn't say that because of my parents, but they could use that too. I'm joking. All right. Yes, I am in trouble. Yeah. Now, to improve, to improve our families, to improve the condition, to improve the environment in our families, there's certain things that we need to bring out, as you've heard me say. So let me share the first thing, and in the coming weeks, I'll be sharing the next ones with you. The first thing that we need to bring out, to bring out the best in our families, is that we need to bring out the extraordinary. We need to bring out the extraordinary. Nary. You know, don't elbow anybody. Don't amen anybody. Don't mm-hmm anybody. But isn't it true that most families know how to damage, degrade, shame, and minimize each other? We're really good at that, right? We're really good at that. Reminds me of a joke. It says that a wife asked her husband, why do you go out in the balcony when I start singing? To which the husband replied, because if I didn't, people would think I'm beating you. <laughs> we know how to degrade. We know how to damage, how to shame each other. But we need to learn to praise, to motivate, and to encourage one another. Dads, dads, listen to me. One of the words that should come out of our mouth the most apart from I love you to our kids and our spouse, is I am proud of you. And not just when they do good things, but just on a regular random morning, look at your daughter, look at your son, regardless of their age, and say, hey, I just want you to know I'm proud to be your dad. I'm proud because you're an amazing person. Let me tell you why, dads. Because as male figures, our approval and validation has power. We need to learn to honor and, and motivate and praise one another. Now, listen, I know, I know, I know. It's, my family is just like your family. I know 
that we love each other. We love each other. But you know what the problem is? That we're not good at showing it. We're not good at showing it. It's, it's like the, the couple that, that, that said, uh, a couple went to counseling, and the wife um, told the counselor, she goes, you know, my biggest problem with him is that he doesn't tell me I love you anymore. To which he replied, woman, I told you I love you when we got married, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> See, we need to learn to show the love that exists inside of us for our family, okay? Now, going back to the thought that I mentioned earlier of no one caring for our well-being like, like our family members, isn't it true that it's easier to praise co-workers, friends, and neighbors than it is our family? Isn't it true? Do you, you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Here's why. Because we get familiar and when you get familiar, you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, you take each other for granted. I know you love your wife, but you're comfortable. And you take it for granted because you've gotten familiar. So you don't say, I love you. You don't say, thank you for making me breakfast. You don't tell your husband, thank you for cleaning the yard. We, we, we've lost that ability to praise and encourage one another. And sometimes it's easier to get praised outside of our home than it is inside our home. And dads, I don't want to scare you again, but if you, don't, if you don't praise, if you don't validate your daughters, some other jerk will. And he'll do it for the wrong reasons. If you don't validate, if you don't praise your kids, some other fool out there will and will lead them down the wrong path. Jesus explained it this way, the, the whole concept of a... Uh, of, uh, being able to honor others and than those in our household. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 57. He says, a prophet is honored everywhere, except where? In his own hometown. And where? Among his own family. Negativism has infiltrated and infected our families. And I believe, I, I, I'm not the most educated person, but I believe that a big reason why we have as a society an issue with low self-esteem is because in the families we have lost the ability to bring out the extraordinary in each other. And what we tend to bring out is the negative of each other. And we give each other nicknames. And they're not good nicknames. Nicknames are a good, uh, are, a, are a, a soft way of insulting people's def, uh, defects. Listen, if you want to improve, if you want to improve the condition of your family, if you want a healthy family, there's three things you got to do. They're, they're not in your outline, but here's three things you got to do. First of all, you got to embrace God's truth, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Second, you got to let God's truth change your paradigm, change the way you see, change the way you think, change the way you feel. And then third, you have to start highlighting the extraordinary nature of each family member. Did you know that they say that for every negative, you should give two positives? So if you're going to tell your wife that she added too much salt on the frijoles, give a praise before and a praise after. If you're going to tell your kids that, that, you know, they didn't behave, give them 
tell them something encouraging before and something encouraging after. And listen, the Bible tells us that every single one of us is, is, is extraordinary. I know you don't always feel that way. I know society often makes you feel ordinary, but every single one of us is extraordinary. Look at what Psalms 139, 13, and 14 says right there in your outlines. Check it out. This is David speaking about himself um, and God. He says, you, and he's talking to God. He says, you form me, you form the way I think and feel. You put me together in my mother's womb. That's why we believe in the sanctity of life. That's why we believe that every baby matters. Because it is God who put them, who put us together and puts every human being together in our mother's womb. Look at what he says. I praise you, not complain to you, but what does he do? I praise you because you made me in such a wonderful. Okay, can you just say that about yourself? Can you just say, God, thank you for making me in such a wonderful way. Come on, say it. Say it. Yes. Look, 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 and he's not done. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, I know, I know, and I think a lot of times as families, we forget. He says, I know how amazing that was. That's awesome. And King David says that God made you and made me incredibly wonderful, incredibly extraordinary. And don't you think we should recognize that? Yes, sin has affected us. Yes, sin has distorted us. Yes, sin has corrupted us. And we'll talk about that. But, but God has made us wonderful. God has made us extraordinary. And, and do you believe that what God says is true? Do you believe that his word is true and that it has power? Well, then shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we bring out the extraordinary in each other? And instead of putting each other down and saying, oh, you're never going to get it. You're a cabezón. I've been telling you for 20 years, saying, hey, I know God is working in you, and you're making baby steps, but you'll get there. I know your beans are still salty, but at least we got beans. I'm choking. By the way, my wife tells me, every time you make those kind of jokes, people think I don't know how to cook. She's a wonderful cook. I want you to know that it's evident. I, I, there's evidence, okay, to, to how well she cooks. So how do we learn to see the extraordinary in our family? I want to give you two suggestions, then I'll let you go to get going with your Sunday. Number one, here's how to see the extraordinary in your, in your family. Number one, focus on their strengths. Don't focus on their weaknesses. Focus on their strength. Listen. I don't think this happens in our church, but the, the, there's this uh, prevailing thought in many churches and in many families that we shouldn't praise anyone when they do something well because only God deserves the glory. And there's some truth to that. And, but, but, but here's the thing. Paul admonished us to honor those that deserve honor. To recognize when people do something well, when people are uh, excel in an area, and to recognize that, yes, God is worthy of all the honor. But when you do something well, and you recognize it in your spouse or in your kids, what you are doing is recognizing God's work in that person, and you're giving him glory. 
Look, look at what, what Paul says in Romans 13, 7. It says, pay to all what is owed to them. And in uh, April, we're going to look at this next part. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, but not today, okay? So you're safe today. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. In other words, if you owe somebody money, pay them. But then look at what he says. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Okay, let's get something just out of the equation. We all have weaknesses. We all have loss. And it's easy to focus on those. But if you focus on those, you'll bring out the worst in your family. But if you learn to see their strengths, because we all have strengths, then you're going to bring out the best in your families. You know, um, I, I heard once a guy who said, you know, before I had kids, I had three theories about raising kids. Now I got three kids and no theories. And as parents, we know that's true, right? Because we had our first child, and we thought we got it figured out. And, and then the second one came, and it was completely different, right? And, and they turned your world upside down. And then the third one came, and it was completely different from the first one and the second one. Here, here, here's, here's what we need to learn to do. I'm going to give you my advice, okay? It's all about how you see differences, you can see different as bad, or you can see different as just different. Macy, she was an awesome child, an awesome baby. Awesome. After like three days, she slept through the whole night. Kaylee came along, took us about a month. That's why I used to call her, not anymore, the terrorist. <laughs> she was terrorizing our home, you know? And, um, and, and Maisley and Kaylee are so different, and the baby coming is going to be so different. And, and, you know, we could complain and say, well, why isn't Kaylee more like Maisley? You know, if she would be just a quieter baby, we would be a better. No, they're different. You know, Maisley, Maisley loves the spotlight. She loves it. When she learns a dance or something, she wants to show it off to everybody. But Kaylee doesn't. She, she's shy, but Kaylee's so funny. You can't be around that little baby and not laugh. You know what she started telling us two days ago? I go, I was, uh, we were laying in bed, and, and I, go, I go, Kaylee, can I have a kiss? And she did this. Jeez. <laughs> Two-year-old. Two-year-old. Like, jeez. Larry and I were talking, like, where'd she get that, you know? They're like, She's just so fun to be around. So, so listen, we got to learn to see the strengths in each other. Learn, what are your kids good at? What do they excel? You know, a lot of times we let the, uh, the success of other kids kind of define the way we should see our kids. Say, so, well, why doesn't my kid get the student of the month? Why doesn't my kid get the honor roll? Well, did you know that science has discovered that there's different forms of intelligence? And before, we used to just think of three. It was, it was like intellectual. Um, I believe the other one was like scientific. And um, one had to do with like retaining information. Now, science has discovered that there's many forms of intelligence. And God made us different. You know the beautiful thing about different? 
that different is awesome. It is awesome. I know it can drive us crazy, but it's awesome. Can you imagine if all of you guys were introverts in your family? You would never go, you, you would die and nobody would know. Because you're introverts. Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if all of, everybody in your family was extroverts? You would have migraines every day of your life. Right, but isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome that, that hey, I, as Nestor, I, I love doing stuff with my hands. I'm a doer. My wife's an organizer. Maisley's a supporter. And Kaylee's the terrorist. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Listen, if you want to improve the condition of your family, you got to highlight the strengths and you have to help your family find what they're good at. Celebrate what they're good at. Tell them you're proud that they did that. Second, here's a second thing on um, how to see the extraordinary in your family. Second, celebrate their uniqueness. Celebrate their uniqueness. And their strengths make them unique as well. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be like the people of this world. Uh, the King James Version says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And guys, um, church, there's something we need to be careful with. And that is that the world is constantly want us to put us in one mold. Everybody's supposed to have an iWatch with an iPhone and an iMac and drink Starbucks and wear tight jeans and wear your hair a certain way and drive a certain car. Listen. God made you unique. He didn't make you to be like anybody else. Just picture one thing with me. Just, just, and I really want you to picture it. Can you picture with me how different your life would be if we spent more time wanting to be what God made us to be instead of what other people want us to be? Can you picture how different your marriage would be? Can you picture how different your health would be? Can you picture how different your relationships would be? Can you picture how different your kids would be if we only spent more time saying, God, who did you create me to be because that's who I want to be instead of saying, well, I want to make sure we fit in. Listen, there's danger in comparing. There's danger. Because when you compare, here's the truth. No one wins. There's no winners in comparison. And you know this already. You know why? Because there's always someone better and someone worse than you. And you're evaluating yourself by the wrong standards. You're evaluating yourself in comparison to somebody else instead of who God made you to be. When I was in high school, we had an English teacher, um, which at the time we thought she was nice. Um, and I guess it was nice, but um, she grade on a curve. And you guys know what I'm talking about? Have anybody else had a teacher who grades on a curve? If you don't know what that is, is that... She would take the highest grade or the highest percentage in the class and just make that the A. Then everybody else was graded in light of the highest grade. Okay? And while that may work for a classroom, that doesn't work for life. And if there's somebody we should be trying to be better than is the person we were yesterday. You shouldn't try to be better than your brother-in-law or your co-worker. The only person you should be trying to be better than today is the person you were yesterday. What if one day, I, I've shared with you guys that I write in my journal, and one day I wrote, 
what would Nestor look like if Nestor was who God created him to be? What would you look like if you were who God created you to be? Wouldn't you be a lot better? Because we've allowed comparing, we've allowed settling, we've allowed society and, and, and the market to kind of shape who we are. So, so help your family recognize, help your family recognize their uniqueness. Now, I want to tell you something. Um, because I know some of you guys are thinking, well, Pastor, we've tried that. Like, we've gone to counseling. We've talked. I've tried telling her I love you every time she throws the casuela at me. And nothing changes. Nothing changes, right? It's like, like we, 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 we've tried and tried and tried. And instead of getting better, what does it get? Worse. It's like, I've tried having a powwow with the family and saying, okay, we're going to do it right this time. And it just gets worse. Well, remember how I told you that relationships are like a garden and need to be cultivated? Look at, look at what Paul says in Galatians 6, 9. Right there in your outline. And let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of what? What are we going to reap? A harvest. Okay, I know you want the harvest. I know you want your kids not dating that type of person. I know you want your spouse not hanging with that type of friend. But, and, and that's what we want. But the way we get the harvest of the blessing is in the following way. If we don't get discouraged and give up. I think you would agree with me that your kids are worth not giving up. And I want to tell you that your spouse is worth not giving up. We believe in a God who can transform. Nina was up here. And by the way, worship team, thank you for, for just being so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You guys are doing an amazing job. When Nina was up here and challenging us to declare a miracle, the miracle that I keep declaring is the miracle of my brother leading a life of drugs and alcohol and coming to Jesus. And we've been praying And we've been praying. We've been praying for over a decade now. But you know what? All those sometimes we feel discouraged because it seems like we prayed and we talked to him. And instead of like making progress, he dips deeper. We're not going to give up. Because in due time, in due time, after a while, I don't know what that after a while is. It may be another decade. It may be next week. It may be two months from now. And I believe God's promises are true. And I believe if we keep doing the right thing with him, we will see that miracle. And you're going to see it as well. Amen? So don't give up on your family. Now, let me end with this. There is something that destroys the extraordinary that God created us. And that is sin. Sin destroys, sin corrupts the extraordinary that God created. And I want to give two challenges this morning before I step down. The first is that I think as families, we've often allowed sin to come into our home. There's certain activities, certain substances, certain words, certain um, imagery, certain um, attitudes that you know don't please God. 
you're playing with fire. And I would encourage you today. Listen, what sin has to offer you, it's only a deception. What God has to offer you is the real thing. So if there's something that you need to remove, something that you need to say, okay, we're not going to use those words anymore. We're not going to watch those shows anymore. We're not going to consume those things here. I know that you're not a Christian, but I am, and this is my home, and as long as you're in my home, you're going to do it my way, okay? We got to do it. Here's, here's why. Because sin corrupts the extraordinary that God created us today. So I want to challenge you as a family. Have a powwow. Have dinner tonight. Just talk about how you can bring out the best in each other. But the second challenge is for those that, that, that maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've done things your own way and that's sin when you do things your own way and it's contrary to what God says. And maybe doing things your own way has destroyed your family, has destroyed you as an individual, has left you with shame and regret and, and nightmares. And listen, I want to tell you that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for our guilt, to pay for our shame. But he didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day to offer us a new life. And you don't have to keep walking in shame. You don't have to keep walking in, in sin. You don't have to keep walking in, in destruction. You can make Jesus your Lord and Savior today. And he will give you a new life. The Bible says that those that are in Christ, they are a new creation. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.